0: Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here, and we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent, and yet you're not always sure how or when to help with that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids. We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. I am excited to have a conversation today about stories and about our stories and your stories and our kids' stories and and how they all play together. So my guest is, do you go your full name, Sally J. Plot?
1: Yep. That's what's on my book. So yeah, I go by that. Yes.
0: Um, And she is a children's author. She plays in our space of neurodiversity and neurodivergence. She is amongst the, the tribe of neurodivergence that I am in and that many of us are in and she's also she'll tell you about it later but has got a really cool website called a novel mind for parents and professionals and educators of of what we like to call complex kids around here and so welcome sally it's great to have you here
1: thank you so much i'm glad to be here so tell us a little
0: about what your relationship with complex families and how you came to be doing this work
1: Oh, well, I come from a very wide and varied and very complex family. (laughs) Going back generations, clearly, now that I have the benefit of uh, a little information (laughs) to look look back on it and see all of us, like my mom, my dad, oh, my uncle. My grandmother. Yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. (laughs) But I had three boys. In the 90s back in sort of the dark ages before so much was known yeah, and well. um yeah uh, you know i think this is a story a lot of us will share It was an interesting time growing up, raising them. I, you know, actually it was bliss. I loved them. I I worried to death because I knew they had issues every year. The new teacher, like, you know, a week into the school year, I would get the phone call. What's wrong? (laughs) What's wrong? What's wrong? And, you know, we went through so many different diagnoses and so many different, you know, tests and counselors and Anyhow, it was a long journey that I'm sure a lot of you tuning in probably know about. I Just interrupt for a quick second, because I
0: remember writing a piece probably a dozen years ago about living with inconclusive diagnosis. Yeah. Right. And that's what I'm hearing you describe is that feeling of like, well, I don't know, there's something going on, but I still don't know what's really nothing's really hitting it
1: right and kids change so much too so just when you think it might be one thing they change and they grow and their issues change and grow so it is it's really quite a journey you know the funny thing is though you know i i found that because their behaviors were so familiar to me because they were my behaviors as a child as well i feel like i wasn't as on top of it as i should have been now Mm -hmm. that i look back i feel that oh i should have known you know i should have been more proactive but Actually, in hindsight, maybe it's a good thing because I let them be them. Uh And, you know, we just got on with it. It, There was acceptance there. And I think maybe that was the blessing. That was the positive side of that, that they were not told that they were wrong or doing anything wrong and how they played or how they acted. You know, we just all just because it didn't seem that way to me. You know, I remember
0: years ago, Ned Halliwell said to me or he used to say to parents all the times, you know, a dad would say, would come in and say, there's nothing wrong with this kid. It's just like me.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But the good thing is that, and why Why I'm an author, why I'm writing these books and why I want to be out there and open about the fact that I ended up with a, a sensory integrative processing disorder, autism diagnosis um, at age 50 is because I think kids need to know that adults can grow up and do all kinds of different things. And they've had these challenges too. We have to step forward and model for the kids a little bit that, you know, all kinds of futures are possible for them. Yeah. Um, Even though, you know, yeah. So you're kind of alluded to it, but let's let's
0: be more direct. So at some point along this journey, you had three complex kids. Mm -hmm. Um, When did you start? Like, so then you started writing. So how did that journey come about for you?
1: Before kids, I was a business journalist. After kids, I started writing for the Milwaukee Journey Sentinel because we lived in Milwaukee at the time for their family magazine. All you know, just all kinds of stories about growing up with kids. So I was always writing. I was always doing freelancing, but I never really thought that I was somebody that could write a novel or write a book until later. And you know, we we moved. My schedule cleared up. I thought, actually, I got a cancer diagnosis, and I was thinking, what have I always wanted to do my whole life? You know, you, you face mortality a little, and you think about your dreams. And I always yeah. wanted to write a book. Always wanted to write a book, but. Who was I to write a book? How silly, how could I dare presume? I finally gave myself permission.
0: Who would want to read what I have to say? Like I said this to a room of of colleagues. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: Totally. And and yet
0: lots of people want to read what you have to say. I hear you. Turns out.
1: And what everybody has to say is valuable and important. We all should have a chance to say what we have to say and be ourselves. So I gave myself permission and I started to write The Someday Birds, which is my first book. It came out in 2017. It's a story, it's a road trip story about a boy named Charlie who's 12, who's autistic, who likes everything safe and, you know, careful and in his own home. But now he has to go on this just wild road trip with uh, very risky and very dangerous and weird for him. Uh, he's going to see his dad who's across the country in a hospital. He's been injured um, in Afghanistan. So there's a, a family crisis involved, but it's a very light footed book. It's not dark. It's about Charlie interacting with the world and having to confront all of his fears. And Charlie's very bird loving. Uh, he loves birds. He has, he made a list with his dad, who was also a birder, a Birds they hope to see in the wild someday. So on the journey, Charlie decides he's going to try to see all those birds and list them for his dad. So like a gift he can give his dad when he gets there. It's a little bit of magical thinking like his dad's going to be okay if he can only just find all these birds and somehow get through this journey. But of course, well, magical
0: a- thinking is 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 par- is familiar to our kids. So, you know, we don't want them to go yeah. too far down that path, but a little <laughs> bit of it can be really constructive,
1: right? Oh, totally. Speaking from my OCD or is a big magical thinker. So right. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But anyway, as I was writing the book, I was thinking that I was writing about my own family and our own family. I was drawing on my own kids, my our family road trip vacations, all of these elements. But the deeper I got into the writing, the more I realized I was drawing emotionally from my own childhood. And the writing of that book is what sent me to therapy, where the therapist said, you know, have you ever thought of getting, <laughs> getting tested or, you know, that, that might be your own diagnosis. So I did end up getting tested and uh, ended up with my autism diagnosis. And it was all just due to the writing of the book. And it was a huge gift.
0: So I don't want to derail us too much from the story, but this is your story. So so what was that like for you at 50-something years old getting an autism diagnosis? The world's changed a lot in how we wow. think about it, right? Yeah.
1: Being able to go back and check all those boxes and just see everything through that different lens helped me so much. It helped me so much. I really struggled until I was, I feel like I wasn't an adult until I was maybe, or I didn't grow up or wasn't even a person until I was maybe 30. And before then, it was just like this big, long struggle. So to be able to see that in a new way, like, oh, there are reasons, you know, there are reasons. Your self-esteem takes such a hit, but to be able to see it and say, okay, there were neurological reasons why it was hard for me, you know, not just that I was categorically a failure, you know, whatever. In early life. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I I always say when I got my, so I was 40 something when I got diagnosed with learning and attention issues. And it was like, first I cried a lot, you know, I had to mourn. Yeah. And then my whole life made sense. Yeah. Everything started to make sense. Every decision I had made every everything. Right.
1: Amazing. Right. And for me too, did it change your relationship with your (laughs) own kids? Because it, it really changed my relationship with my kids.
0: Oh, yeah. It it changed my capacity for forgiveness and acceptance. Yes. I think.
1: Yeah. I found the same. It was a beautiful thing. Yeah. Really a beautiful thing. And we're closer than ever now. So it's
0: good. So what about I'm just curious, what about adult relationships? Did it shift anything for you with relationships with other adults?
1: Yeah, I would definitely say that it did, you know, with my husband, with my family. I think the most poignant moment was telling my mom and you know she just got this look on her face and she held my hand and she said i always knew it was something <laughs>
0: so it was yeah so anyway. when i when i was diagnosed on the way home i called my mom and i said it's really funny that you say that and i called my mom and i said hey mom guess what we've got
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes yes cuz my mother too you know we share we she so many similar yeah yeah,
0: uh, but there's yeah. something that happens in a family with complex kids when the parents can acknowledge their own complexity, right? Oh, yes. There's it breaks down the stigma and the shame and all of that other otherness Right. And it becomes we're just, a, you know, we're our own quirky family of monkeys. And,
1: you know, right. right Exactly. So and, you know, I think it's this way for a lot of kids. I know this was this way for my autistic son, where he didn't want to talk about it. He didn't want to even admit that he was different from his classmates or anything. And that is where I think being diagnosed myself really helped. But also it really helped. And what I want to talk about as well our stories and books and reading yes. together. I mean, whether you're watching a show on TV or whether you're reading a novel together or if it's a little kid reading a picture book, it's such a neutral way to enter into a conversation with about emotions and uh, feelings with, with a child. And there are so many Wonderful books out today, much more than ever before, with main characters that are complex, very naturally. And the story just unfolds naturally. And I love that. In the past, like when our kids were young, um, the books were very, either they were inspiration porn, you know, where the character <laughs> was, you know, had issues and that only served to help the main character feel like, oh, I'm so big hearted by, you know, having such tolerance for this poor, unfortunate sibling right. or something. So, so there was, Terrible. The, there was the,
0: the pity. Yes. Diagnosis. Right. 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 Pity characters. Yep.
1: Right. Or it was, you know, just some tragedy or some pathological thing. But now there's a whole bunch of new, just a host of new books where it's accepted and it's natural and the stories are just stories of adventures and things that unfold and the character just happens to be, um, you know, neuroatypical or complex in some way. And it's just beautiful to see. So I wanted to highlight that and, yeah. and to work towards that is my mission. That's been my goal. Populate the world with stories that celebrate kids who think about the world differently. Well, you know,
0: so many things are coming up as I hear you say that. One is I keep... I just have to share because I I have three kids that are six and a half years apart and the difference between my eldest and my youngest in terms of my awareness was so significant. Right. And the impact that that had on their childhood, because, because I was so different. Mm -hmm. And so my youngest was really into the Rick Riordan books Mm -hmm. And, you know, and the characters in those books are demigods because of their ADHD and dyslexia. And, you know, we would lie in bed and read those books together and I would read them, but he would have already read them and then he'd be explaining it to me. And and when I think about what you're saying, just that. In the modern world, we talk a lot about diversity, equity, inclusion, and we talk about representation. And, you know, I have a kid who's an actor and we talk about representation on the screen and kids, you know, kids who are BIPOC or or trans or whatever, being able to see themselves represented. Mm -hmm. And really what you're speaking to is for neurodivergent kids to be able to see themselves represented in literature
1: Exactly. And represented in a way that isn't othering. Um, It's just so important. And when you look at the statistics about kids with ADHD and autism and various issues, the rates, look at the rates. There's at least one child in every classroom in America that falls in that category. It's huge. There's 15 to 20% of the population population. It's just seems like why aren't we having more books with that that show this that reflect this for these kids? yeah, well, so you
0: have taken on the mantle of creating those books, so you've written several books, right. And yes. we'll, we'll link to those in the show notes, I promise, and we'll make sure that they're on our reading carousel. And we, we have a, a reading carousel on our site that's for parenting books and coaching books and inspiration, and that kind of stuff. We have a little section on children's books and then a link, I believe, to your website because you really have the compendium of, of books for complex kids about complex kids. So tell us a little bit about how you created a novel mind and, and what happened there.
1: It started with conversation with a very good friend of mine who's also a children's author and a a therapist, uh, Miriam Saunders, and we were bemoaning the fact that we didn't have more books out there for kids like our kids and we decided to start a website and highlight the really good ones that we saw coming out it led to us creating a database now there's over a thousand well over a thousand books in that database and it's searchable so you can look for a preschooler issues with ADHD or you can look for a teen you know, young adult books all of them that you can find that have say an eating disorder issue you, you can specify and winnow and find a list of books that might be of service to your particular child. So that's a big part of it, the database. But we also have two other parts to the website. One is a weekly blog where today's most prominent writers and children's authors are writing about their books and about their own personal uh, struggles being complex people. (laughs) And the third part is a bunch of educator resources put together by a wonderful autistic children's librarian in Texas named Adriana White. She mainly has helped create these for us, and they're just chock full of all kinds of great resources for parents and teachers. Beautiful. You know, I'm reminded
0: as you're sharing this story, years ago, I got to meet one of my heroes. And I was at a conference and I met Jim Weiss. I don't know if you're familiar with his work. He was, he, when my kids were little, so I, my eldest kid was super, super, super into books and was always had their nose in a book and was, you know, classic could run into walls because they were always reading a book. And when, from a really early age, when I needed to help calm them, and I now understand the nerd divergence that was happening then that I didn't know, I would put in in those days. I had kids in the 90s. They were cassettes, right? But books on tape. And Jim Weiss was was famous for writing class for reading classic children's stories. Oh, I think I did. We did have. Yes, he was phenomenal. And my kid just it didn't matter if he was reading it. I could get them to just be present to it, and they loved it. It was fabulous. Um, And I got to meet him. A few oh, somewhere like, in on this journey. And he wrote a piece for us on our blog. So I'll link to that in the show notes and share it with you as well. But it was about telling stories. So,
1: And so that's before, a wonderful point, too, actually, because for so many kids, reading is actually hard. Audiobooks are reading. Yes. This thing is still reading, too. It all counts. <laughs>
0: right. It does. It counts, especially if you've got a kid with learning disabilities, dyslexia, that kind of thing. Um, and this was a kid who, it wasn't the, the struggle with reading, but there were certain times where it was just, the audio was was a different way for them to integrate yeah. um, themselves. But I just want you to speak a little bit, if you will, before we wrap to the value of story, or was I going to say, of creating stories with your kids. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: About having your kids tell their own stories. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you listen, when you maybe write, maybe you sit down. I know my grandmother used to do this with us. She'd put paper out all over the kitchen table and all kinds of writing instruments and crayons and things. And we would write our own cartoons. Mm. But they would often be ways for us to get at uh, what were things that were bugging us, things that were Mm. on our mind. And it was just really wonderful. And she didn't intrude or poke too much about it, but it did give us a way to tell our own stories. Kids do need, desperately need to be able to have those chances, the creative chances to say what's on their mind. And sometimes if you let them do it through making up stories rather than saying what's wrong what happened today tell me exactly sometimes if you go in through the side door a little bit through creativity wonderful things can happen and yeah
0: well and the other thing that just came up as you were saying that is sometimes we get so fixated on the truth and my kids lying to me or they're not telling the truth is we want to remember sometimes these are creative kids and and that's their creativity coming out and that has a lot of Potential capacity for their future, if we allow them to use it and shape it without always having, without always tamping it down. Sometimes, you know, we have, like there's a balance here. I'm not saying never make corrections, but yeah, recognize when you've got a kid with a creative spirit like that. That's what I think. Absolutely.
1: And I think kids today they so much and adults too all of us we are absorbing and receiving information all the time we are just big sensory receptacles of stuff yeah but we we're not practicing that brain skill of creating stuff and putting it out forth into the world as much as we should be so that's just another argument for just letting kids write their own stories or create or whatever they want to do that's creative
0: yeah, that's beautiful. I, my husband's actually doing a 100-day creative challenge right now. And I love what you're saying because I would say he falls into that category if he receives a lot of of input and it's really nice to see him creating for a change. It's lovely. All right, so it is time for us to start wrapping up this conversation. Um let's let's reiterate we're we're going to put a few links in the show notes. How can people find out more or get in touch with you?
1: oh well you can find me at sallyjpla.com right. um, that's just my name <laughs> that's, and my that's website. your website as yeah, an author can, yep you know, that's my author website you can find out about my books and i have a blog on there as well that's a little bit more personal and some info and then also a novelmind.com if you're interested in finding some resources for your own child and uh, i guess that's the best way beautiful Beautiful. So oh, I'm on Twitter wrap... and Instagram. Sorry, I forgot about okay. that. Okay, <laughs> we'll put we'll put those in the notes as well. Twitter and Instagram. So before
0: we wrap, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today, or something you hope parents will take away from today?
1: Well, I saw you ask about a quote or a motto or something, and I was thinking to myself, you know what my favorite thing is that I'm always telling people about is that old C.S. Lewis quote that I could never get right, but I looked it up because I love it so much. And it's about the power of children's books. Mm. And his quote was, a children's story that can only be enjoyed by children Is not a good children's story in the slightest. And he also said no book is worth reading at the age of 10, which isn't equally and often far more worth reading at age 50. So it's a little argument that children's books are really for all of us. And there are so many poignant, wonderful ones out there that really help us learn more about how to be in the world, how to be at ease in the world and and live better. And um, I hope everyone will read a children's book. I love that. And and what I
0: also love is is I hear from parents a lot saying, well, they're not reading at their grade level. They're reading below their grade level. Oh, who cares? Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter because it matters that they're reading. And sometimes yep. kids will drop down a few grade levels so that they can be in the story of it and not be struggling with the reading. Right. right? So right. there's a lot of opportunity in it as well. Thank right. you for that. Um, thank you, Sally, for being here and for what you're doing for turning your, um, I don't want to say a mess. I had a coach when he used to say, make your mess your message. And I won't say it's a mess, (laughs) but um, making your learning from your life into an opportunity for so many others to learn about theirs. Really, really acknowledge and appreciate the work you're doing. And to those of you who are listening, a reminder, take a moment, ask yourself, what's your insight from today? What are you taking away? What do you want to take from today and take forward into your week? What did you learn or what did you take away from today's conversation with Sally? And um, thanks for being who you are, what you're doing for yourself and your kids and your world at the end of the day. You make a difference. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com podcast behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids for information about sanity school our training program for parents or teachers which has helped thousands of families around the globe visit impactparents.com sanity school